think there's always hope wherever you go to and wherever life may bring you to you. So just try to hold on to the hope. Hi, I'm Lance, and this is Unsilent, a speak series by No Stigmas that champions mental health advocacy and challenges the stigmas that all too often prevent people from getting the help they need. We're so glad you're here. And in today's conversation, we get to meet Maddie, a mental health advocate whose experiences with psychosis during the COVID pandemic led her to not only advocate for herself, her own well-being, and her road to recovery, but inspired her to create her own peer support organization, Mental Health Wizard, where she knows that peer support is the key to suicide prevention. And this all inspired her to go back to school and pursue her education in counseling. We're so excited to talk with Maddie today and we thank her for taking the time to talk with us. All right, let's dive in. I had some mental health challenges in, in middle school. Uh, I wasn't really fitting in very well and I just wasn't doing very well. So my parents decided to send me to a therapist. So I went to them um, and I don't think I really, my middle school is a challenging time in people's lives It's you're trying to get adjusted to all those different hormones and stuff like that. Um, and people can be really mean, so <laughs> I wasn't fitting in, so that was hard and challenging. Um, I've always struggled with anxiety and lived with anxiety. Um, I was always a very anxious kid, I believe, and uh, struggled to fit in and have friends so they were also really rough um i didn't really have very good self-esteem so i kept seeing my counselor who tried to convince me that i was still a good person and stuff like that um and so i had a couple of friends in high school and i ran cross country which really helped with my emotions and my stress at the time so i ran cross country and made friends through that Parents were like, my parents were like, I was all the way in Maryland all by myself, and my parents were like, you can come home, um, we don't really want you staying there all by yourself. Um, a lot of the families that I was friends with weren't inviting me over anymore because of the pandemic, uh, which I understood. So um, I packed the suitcase that I was going, going for two weeks, um, and then um, I ended up staying for eight, two years, and ended up moving back to Florida. <laughs> Um, where I'm from. So um, I was also dealing with really bad migraines at the time. Um, I still struggle with them a lot today. But um, and I was working with a cure coach who um, who tried to steer me in the right direction of my career and what I already had a degree in. So I was applying for all these jobs that I thought I wanted. But I really didn't. So whenever I got an interview, I tried to act like I wanted this job. Um, and I really did at this time. So kind of going through my own journey. Um, so yeah, I was on a lot of medicine for my migraines. I'm not really sure what caused the psychosis. But I woke up one night and I started hearing voices for four hours. And I had psychosis. And it was really hard. Um, I went to a treatment center for a little bit. And they did a lot of groups and stuff, but I was, I've been in therapy since I was 13, so I didn't really need the groups. Um, and so I was just there for the medication, but the medication that they gave me just kept making me tired. Um, and so I finally went to a psych hospital about six months later, um, who helped me get back on the right medications to try to stop the voices. Um, and 
yeah, the, the staying in a psych hospital is really hard. Um, you, yeah, it's just it's just a very hard environment to be in. Um, but it's it's kind of nice because a lot of the people are there for the same reason you're there. So and they had like therapy and groups and everything like that. And I had a really good psychiatrist who I work with right now, um, who helped me get on the right medication, which is really relieving. So I went back in March of 2022 because I was having really bad anxiety attacks. Um, I was supposed to go away to Maryland then to see some friends in Maryland, but I never did went. And my parents were out of town and I was seeing my, one of my dad's friends. Um, and so I was having really bad anxiety attacks. I couldn't really function very well. And the medicine I was on wasn't really working for the anxiety attacks. So I told my uncle or friend that I needed to um, go to the hospital. So he took me to the hospital. He was very worried about it. Um, he didn't really understand why I had to go, but he took me, so that was good. So I went to the hospital again, um, and at the time I wasn't having psychosis, but I was still, um, they still put me on medication for psychosis, so I was on that, and I think that's the first time, the first few times I was at the hospital, I didn't really like being at the hospital, it's kind of a boring place, um, and, but this time I was... So in a different night, I was kind of just like, I mean, I might as well stay here. I might as well try to learn something from these groups, whatever they may be, um, and try to connect with people. And a lot of people who were staying, they were a lot younger this time, which was nice because a lot of people you go are older than you. Um, so they were really nice. Um, yeah, I roomed with this one girl named Kaya. Um, and she was a little different. She had her hair styled a different way, but it's really cool. Um, and she really like understood where I was coming from and tried to be like helpful and stuff like that. And so that was really nice. And um, yeah, I kind of saw the emergency room hospital in a different light. So that was really cool. During the pandemic, when I was having my mental health condition, which I still have now, um, I started volunteering at an organization called NAMI, National Alliance of Mental Illness in Florida, so that I would do whatever I, they wanted me to do. Um, and I started speaking at places like high schools and um, online and on Zoom conversations about my own story. Um, and I got published in their newspaper, which is really cool. Um, and... Then I also started, I got trained to become a, what they call a peer group facilitator. So I would start facilitating groups online. And that's kind of where I found my passion for mental health um, and to become a counselor someday. I'm now currently back in school for counseling at Nova Southeastern University of Florida. But I'm functioning really well right now. Um, I use a lot of my coping skills that I learned. I also was a, I also took rap training. So I well, I thought I wanted to become a peer recovery specialist, um, and so I took I went to volunteer for Mental Health America a couple of days a week. I started joining a running group in Florida, um, which is really nice because I get to run with them and talk and um, just kind of chat while we're running, which is really nice. And it also relieves a lot of my emotions and stress and anxiety. So I joined a run group. Um, and we run along Juno Beach, which is really pretty. So that's really nice. Um, I also lean on writing a lot. Like in my past, when I worked in the Poetry and Spoken Word Club that I went to, 
Um, I do- I have done a little bit of spoken word while I'm in Florida. There's this coffee shop in Common Grounds. Um, yeah, they have spoken word uh, with mic nights. That's really fun. I also facilitate for a young adults group, um, 18 to 35 year olds. And so um, I find helping people who by giving them hope and showing them that I'm okay and actually gives me hope. And so that's really helpful. Um, and sometimes I just don't go on as a facilitator if I don't need to and go on as a participant. I talk about what's happening in my life. So that's really nice. Um, I think it's good to, I tell people that I work with or on recovery groups that I join with NAMI to just try to get out of the house each day, whenever small or big it may be, um, like walk around the block. Um, We talk a lot about baby steps when we first get a recovery because, um, recovery your day is all structured and scheduled into these groups and you're and then you go home and you don't know what to do with your time anymore um and so a lot of people i work with i hope so that they can try to come get kind of some kind of structure whether they're working or just trying to recover from their hospital visit or something like that um to try to develop some kind of schedule throughout the day whether it's running or walking outside for 10 minutes or five minutes, whatever that may be, Um, just to get out of the house. It's also really, it's really hard for people who I'm an introvert and a lot of the people that I met throughout NAMI are also introverts. Um, And so it's really hard for them to get out of the house and try to talk to people. Um, I try to encourage them to just try it and see what happens. Um, And yeah, I have this friend who also struggles with psychosis and he, um, he can't really drive, but he tries to get out of the house as much as he can, or he does a lot of his coping skills in his house. Um, he's becoming a certified peer recovery specialist, which is really cool for him. Um, and he got a certification. He just has to get the certificate. So he's really nice and yeah, he's really great. Um, so I kind of used him as like, well, if he can do it, then anyone can do it. Um, so and he has really bad psychosis. So it's hard. Yeah, I think we're um, very attached to our technology and our phones and TikTok and Instagram. And like, we just like to live our life stupid, curiously through TikTok and what people are doing on TikTok, which is great because I like TikTok. But um, it's going to get very mind-buzzling, and it also can make you very, very jealous because you see all these people having fun going on, like, not during the pandemic, but now they're going on, like, places in Europe and Guatemala and Greece. So that's really not healthy. It's hard to, like, imagine your life, what you would want to do and what you would really strive to do because if you keep looking at what your friends are doing, you don't really know anymore because they're just past friends who you communicate with on technology and you think they're your friends and they're really not. So it's really hard. It's very isolating. It's also says that technology can make you very like not um, active and not, and very isolated and just sitting on your computer all day, watching TV shows or just like, Connecting through a person through a screen is really hard. And so I actually recently experienced that. Um, I 
friends with this girl named Andrea, and she used to live in Florida. She's also a facilitator for Domi PBC, and so I reached out to her and tried to get her number. Um, and so I, she lives in Maryland, and while I was on my trip to Maryland, I was like, why don't we just meet up? So I got to meet her in person, which is really cool, because um, she's a really nice girl, and she is also different and out there, and... Um, She's trying to make a life for herself in Maryland, D.C. She got a job there. Um, and she also deals with mental health. And it's really nice to talk to people who also deal with mental health because they can understand what you're going through, which is really nice. Um, because a lot of the people in my family, they also have mental health conditions, but they never really understood the psychosis part because a lot of the friends, a lot of my people in my family never had psychosis. And so... Um, it's interesting to hear their stories and understand that I'm not alone because, um, when you're alone, you can feel really isolated and that really just makes your mental health condition worse. So, so a lot of the voices I was hearing were my parents, um, and they were my parents fighting or talking about me. Um, they were talking about what I was doing and, and like, um, at one point I had a poetry blog on online just created it one day and um i thought they were telling me to destroy my poetry blog um which they were not um but it was really scary at the time because i thought they were real i thought that they were going through my phone and stuff like that um which they weren't and so i was really scared and confused and tired all the time and just really out of it not myself um and it was really hard to believe my parents that, like, they weren't doing it because I believed my mind and tried to, like, I just wasn't really understanding and coping, like, what psychosis was. Um, and there's also this kind of stigma around psychosis, which is really hard to deal with. People think that people with psychosis can't really function, and they can definitely function. Um, and the medication helps them function. Even if they're hearing voices throughout the day, they try to use their coping skills to try to distract their mind and try to bring them back on a real life perspective and try to function. Um, I think it's really damaging that our stigma or our society um, thinks that people with, people with mental health conditions can't function, but we definitely can. It's just a lot harder for us. Not with mental health, but um, more with my migraines. Migraines can have a very bad stigma, too. Um, people think migraines are just a headache. You can just take Tylenol and go on throughout your day. Um, but mine were really bad. And so I had a boss who I worked in a disability organization um, called Respectability um, for a semester. And they're a nationwide um, organization that helps people, helps people with disabilities get awareness. And so I worked there for a semester and I had a boss who was trying to be lenient with migraines and she was okay with it. She kept trying to suggest things, which I didn't really like because like everybody has different coping skills and different techniques that they use for their migraines because no one migraine is the same. And I also think that mental health conditions can affect migraines because anxiety and stress can lead to migraines and tension headaches. So I did struggle with that too because um, I never really told my boss that I was having anxiety because I was 
working with a therapist at the time and working with a psychiatrist um that I never I don't think I was on the right medication I was feeling very lonely throughout um my grad school experience I didn't really become friends with people until I started exploring the Jewish community in Silver Spring Maryland um it's a very really respectful Jewish community it's orthodox a lot of the families I met there and um there is a rabbi who runs a Jewish program at GW and George Washington University. And he started um, showing me a little bit about the Jewish community and I got to learn a little bit about it. Um, it's they're really sweet families and I have still have a really good friend from Maryland and it was really nice just, just to feel like I could go there for the weekend and I lived there for six months, which is great. I really enjoyed having friends there and not feeling lonely anymore because that was my one of my main goals when I started therapy. Isolation and loneliness is very hard. It's just makes you feel down all day. So, yeah. So I decided to create this business about almost a year ago. Um, I thought it would be a great idea to help people who just like me, who just got into recovery and needed some help to get back on their feet um, and help with structures and schedules and advice. A lot of people, when they get out of recovery, don't want to really talk to a therapist. So I thought I would become a mental health coach and, try to help them in that way. Um, I'm still hoping that someday that they will, I try to require them to have a therapist because I'm not certified as a therapist yet um, because that's what they really need. But if they just want to talk to me, it's fine too um, because there's still that stigma around working with a therapist. Um, it's getting better these days. There's all these apps about like better help and, and, um, all those apps, but it's still stigmatized. So yeah, I try to help them with setting up kind of some kind of structure. Um, I'm also sort of decided in wellness recovery action planning, which is a plan that helps people notice their trigger signs their warning signs, helps them with their coping skills and it helps them get back on their feet once they get out of the recovery. Um, there's this whole training on it and it's really good because uh, while I was in there with the training, um, it showed me that people just like me had struggled with um, psychosis or mental health conditions, whatever they may have, um, and they helped themselves with by having this wellness recovery action planning. Um, so that's what I try to work with with my clients. Um, yeah, I try to work with coping skills and try to show them that if... Um, that in order to like cope with your feelings and your emotions and your anxiety throughout your day that you have to, you can't just live with it in your head. You have to get it out somehow. Um, but that's going on a walk. I think it's really nice for people to understand and to try to self-advocacy is one of the best things you can ever do for yourself because if you're not speaking up about for yourself, it's really hard. So when helping a colleague or a friend, um, if I see a friend struggling, um, I try just to ask them if they're okay. If they don't want to talk about it, that's fine because I respect their space and their privacy um, because it's not my business. Um, but I try to just ask them if they're doing okay and see how they need any help. Um, I also try to redirect them to NAMI because NAMI is a free service. They allow you to go to free groups and 
Um, they also have a lot of activity. You can, you can pay $5 a year and you can be part of a bunch of activities and people with mental health conditions. Um, and also people at NAMI can steer you in the right direction to get you a therapist if you would like to have a therapist. Um, so I just tried to ask them if they're okay. Try to be helpful and know if you ever want to talk about it and I'm here. Um, but in the workplace, it's really hard because people don't want to know you known as a person with a mental health condition. So they don't want to talk about it to their coworkers because then they think their coworkers would tell someone about it. So that's really hard. Well, I moved out of my parents' house, which is really nice. I have my own place. Um, so that's really great. I have a lot of independence now and that's really nice. Um, I look forward to maybe running my own private practice at a mental health wizard someday and maybe also working at a treatment center and not really sure what direction I'm going to go in yet. Um, so I hope that I, once I get my counseling degree, I can help people just like me. I think there's always hope wherever you go to and wherever life may bring you to you. So just try to hold on to the hope. So. To go beyond the show, be sure to connect with us on all social media platforms at No Stigmas, and you can always reach out at nostigmas.org to connect with us and see how we can team up together to champion mental health equity for all. Remember, to break these stigmas, we must be unsilent. We'll see you next time.